because you, you really felt like you were doing something noble. You're like, I'm helping this homeowner because they've already got damage when really, you know, mm. you're doing it in order to pad your own pocket. I feel a little relief just talking about this a little bit out in the open and knowing that there are quite a few roofing companies. I think it's most that don't do this. And that are hoping to improve the industry. Adjusters. All right, let me see what this roofer did before I actually see if there's any storm damage to the house. And so they, they show up with that mindset of, yeah, is this man-made damage before they even think about a storm? The Hook Better Leads podcast. And today, I'm talking with Taylor Amons and Nick Brannon. And your guys' companies for me. Can you say your guys the name of your companies? Yeah, so my company is Hero Roofing. Out of South Metro Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Paragon Roofing. I'm out of Nashville, Tennessee. We got a great little sampling of roofing companies to talk to. We're talking about man-made shingle damage and roofing <laughs> greed. Oh, no. And we just talked about this a little bit. We kind of were outlining this podcast. And I was saying, like, you know, somebody might watch this or see this the thumbnail of this and say, oh, Tim's telling the insurance companies about something new. But we all know insurance companies are thinking that there's more made man-made shingle damage and they want to prove that. This is, we're not saying anything new here, okay? Um, and I, Nick, if you don't mind giving me a little bit of the current synopsis of how roof, how insurance companies treat roofing companies because of this. Yeah, so I would say what what I've seen, honestly, since I've been in industry, um, and it's gotten worse, I guess, the last couple of years, is that adjusters are starting to show up with that. If they see a roofer there when they pull up, they have that mindset of, all right, let me see what this roofer did before I actually see if there's any storm damage to the house. And so they, they show up with that mindset of, yeah, is this man-made damage before they even think about a storm, you know? Yeah. And uh, which is kind of crazy with all the weather Georgia's had. And if you're doing this, we're not moralizing. We're not saying you're a bad person, but I'm trying to understand how bad the problem is. I'll be real. Uh, you know, a client of mine, I was talking to him. I said, how bad is this problem? He said, it's very little. It's a very small percentage. He said, he also said, hey, Tim, I know you make all those memes, but the actual, the, the insurance company's not accepting real damage is a small problem too in comparison percentage wise that is that the understanding that you guys have or would you disagree with that particular client of mine well uh, i'll go first taylor but i think it de it's dependent on market of course and also dependent on you know what the weather's like in georgia you know when we you know last year in 2022 we had like hardly any storms 21 went really bad tornado and now we've had a lot of bad weather going into january um so in 22 these guys that are only storm-based roofers, I think it you kind of see it ramping up a lot more. Mm. You see the guys are dependent on claims. It's the only way they can do business. And so they're probably causing a lot more damage than, they, than, needs, than needs to be done because they can't come down and actually sell a roof retail model to a homeowner. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to hear it. I, I, but like I said, I think it's dependent on market. But we, I mean, we hear and see a lot of it a lot in, in Georgia. I mean, I personally know of a roofing company where the owner actually went to jail for vandalism. vandalism. Mm. How about, how bad is the problem in your estimation, Taylor? Um, up here in, in the middle Tennessee market, I have not really seen it a whole lot 
the very first company that I worked for uh, here in Tennessee, they pretty much let, out, outlined it during the interview process. Hey, if you're caught manufacturing any sort of damages, you're gone. Um, and then I'll get out in the field and be meeting with these adjusters. And just like Nick said, they'll they'll have that chip on their shoulder right when they get there. Or maybe the roof has damage on all four slopes and, and the adjuster immediately wants to kind of start looking at you as far as, you know, hey, no roof is going to have damage on all four slopes and things like that. Or, you know, the adjusters will actually gossip about other roofing companies that they've caught manipulating shingles and causing damage um, because there is adjusters that will pull up in in personal vehicles or, or cars or something like that parked down the road and I mean I know for a fact have caught roofers on video manufacturing damage I, I couldn't tell you what percentage I do agree with Nick in regards to it would depend on the market uh, we're blessed yeah. in Nashville because we, we do get wind and hail uh, we get you know, the insurance companies are obviously more apt to buy hail in my market than wind. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, so as far as the actual percentages, I would say it would depend on market. What's the real damage? What's the real problem if this is, you know, people are doing this. If you're talking to a roofing company that's feeling a little icky right now because they feel like, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the problem. Is there really a problem with this? And what is, what is the real problem um, if folks are doing this? What, what is going to happen long term, potentially? The, the biggest one that I see personally is roofs that maybe have another five or ten years of life left into them are, are being caused to be damaged to the point where whether the insurance company can tell it's man-made or not um, is therefore paying to replace a roof maybe five or 10 years earlier than it should be, or maybe it was damaged in the next storm and it was going to be replaced anyways. But all it's going to do is be leading to potentially premature insurance claims um, and then an influx of claims, rising rates, and then obviously much more difficult adjusters to work with and insurance companies tightening down on roofs that they're actually paying to replace. And that's why I think we're getting so much pushback on full replacements versus repairs. And then we have to be more knowledgeable of whether a roof is actually repairable or not. Yeah. I think that that's kind of the one, the one thing I really want to call out here is this type of thing affects, you know, if this is like going on a lot, it affects your market. It affects the way insurance companies play. Like, cause we can play nicely here together. You know what I mean? Potentially yep. like, right. I'm not going to be the one that says, oh, that's so bad that the roof, that the insurance company pays out for, you know, like that's not that bad of a deal. But like if it yeah. affects the long term relationship with roofing companies and there's an antagonism back and forth and then insurance companies legitimately like you think about um, the the video with the guy up on the roof, uh, Raymond little, yeah, uh, you know, the, the antagonism what, that can start now because the insurance mm -hmm. company is saying no to this legitimate claim. And there's this back and forth tension that just ramps up because there's too much of this. There's too much vandalism, too much man-made damage. So ideally, I mean, ideally there'd be less, ideally there'd be less, but is it actually lucrative? Is it actually bad for these roofing companies? Or is it 
not the worst business model. That's my like, just between you and us. What is is it not the worst business model? Where what is? It? So uh, what what I would say with as far as our business model, I mean, honesty honesty integrity goes a long way. So like, if that's their only way they can rely on to get a claim bought. You know, how else are they going to run their business when they're taking care of that customer? Like, if they're lying mm. to that customer to get them a roof, like, what mm. else will they do is, like, awesome, my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, it's of course, that's why they're doing it. It's lucrative. They're making money off of causing the damage versus coming down and saying, hey, Mrs. Smith, you got two damaged shingles. You know, um, your roof, you got 20 or three-tab shingle roof. It's only seven years old. We can repair it today for 500 bucks. Call us next storm. And every every time, Mrs. Smith or, is going to call. Or it's rejuvenation and, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're um, a sponsor, so I gotta say it. No, just ugly roof, uglyroof.com. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, we, you know, we uh, we use ugly roof as well, and um, or a vendor of them, and that's been a game changer. But the thing is, like these these sales guys, you know, I was talking to it about with a lot of our assists today. Is these a lot of these guys that are doing this are not really, in my opinion, true salesmen. You know, mm -hmm. they're inspectors that can get people to sign contracts. Yeah. You know, and that's what it boils down to. It just comes down to improper training and actually training your sales guys to look for legitimate damages. And if the roof doesn't have storm damage but needs to be replaced, knowing how to sell the homeowner on an actual roof replacement mm -hmm. and, and not causing those false claims to go to go through. How what size of companies are doing this that you've seen? Like is it, Anywhere is it from small like, guys chucking at trucks or is it are there are there big roofing companies that this is kind of part of the business model in our market. Yeah. There's bigger companies that are, that, that provide that way, even on the, uh, in, in the, even on the aspect when there is storms, um, we also see this on the tarping side. So like last tornado we had in 2020, there was a certain roofing company is a huge roofing company and they were coming through and they would tarp, they would, they would use synthetic felt, but, and they would tarp the whole house. The adjuster showed up and said, hey, we need a tarp pulled off so we can see what kind of damage is there. It'd be like five or six missing shingles on a whole roof. And they were tarping the whole house and charging like four grand for a tarp bill and then thinking they'd get the roof replaced because they tarped the whole house. When when turned out, the adjuster ended up having to change that claim to a vandalism claim. But that's another thing that like is when, when this ends up being proven that this is what the salesman or the roofer or whoever did cause damage to the house – that claim gets changed when it's a mechanical claim. It gets changed to vandalism. That's a whole different type of claim on a homeowner's policy. Like man, -made, like acts of God, like storm damage does not affect your policy or your rates a lot of times. But a man-made vandalism claim will just will kill your rate. Mm. Like your insurance will jack up afterwards. Yeah, Talk to me about insurance. Sorry, go ahead, Taylor. Oh, no, I was going to kind of piggyback off what Nick said a few minutes ago um, about it. It really does boil down to training because um, – so many of these companies, and I know the one that I worked for was was doing well into the eight figures um, or the, the low eight figures. I don't want to say well into it, but they had no sort of systematic training in place. So a lot of I, I don't even want to say the owners know that a lot of this stuff is going on when the company gets to a certain size. You get mm. two or three maybe of their top guys that are out in the field. They've figured out a way to work the system. And then uh -huh. these new guys get tossed in with them. They find mm. out, hey, this Nick guy's pretty cool. I'm going to show him how to make some extra money when the roof doesn't quite have enough damage yeah. or when it doesn't make sense on our commission for us to just sell a repair. When really, like Nick said, 
when you can just come down, hey, you have a couple missing shingles, here's what I can do, I'll put you into our database, we'll follow up with the next storms, and then gives you an opportunity to be back in the neighborhood, stay in touch with those contact contacts, and then get referrals for doing honest business. So it's a training issue, and I can't wait to get into the fact that it's a training issue on both sides of this industry. Top rep, we're doing top rep then. It's a great training. So you gotta have that defined sales process, check Toki specifically. I don't understand how people make it with a defined sales process as an established company, but just starting out, you definitely need to have that because they need to know, like, and trust you through the whole process mm -hmm. to, in order to give you money. Right. Yeah, talk to me uh, Talk to me about that in one second. But before we get into that, I just want to ask, um, what about that mindset of, well, whatever helps the homeowner? Well, it's funny you say that because um, since we're being vulnerable here, uh, the very first time I got into roofing, I was in automotive sales for five years. And I was all about providing service. And when I got into the roofing industry, I got sent to North Carolina to train. And the, the couple months that I worked with this company, I was trained to create damages. And the reason was that we were helping the homeowners because they already had some damage. They just didn't have enough. And it, it wasn't until I got away from that company and that mindset of people that I realized, like, holy cow, like what we were doing was very wrong because there was a few roofs that I had been on that I participated in. And if that's something that ends up coming back on me, it is what it is because it's, it's not who I am now or how I operate. It was how I was told at the time. And it was compelling because you, you really felt like you were doing something noble. You're like, I'm helping this homeowner because they've already got damage when really, you know, mm. you're doing it in order to pad your own pocket and you, you didn't even realize it. So I was grateful that I did get around a group of guys in the industry that had integrity and that I was able, you know, and can say, thankfully, now in, in the Tennessee market, I have not one time even tried to do anything like that um, because it just it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I, I don't want to go to jail over something silly like that. I want to do honest business and I want to be able to go home at night and and hope that I've treated my customers the way I would want a roofer to treat my mom. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of back in, you know, with the deductible, whenever someone would ask if you need the deductible, like, hey, I'm. If I'm ever going to commit a felony, I'm going to make money, not lose money. You know, it's the same. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing with like, uh, yeah. you know, with this with this damage is, you know, they think they're helping the homeowner, but a lot of those times, you know, the, the claims I look back where these guys are doing that, you know, you can really fight these claims. Like if there's they, they say say there's only three shingles damage on the roof, and like homeowners file a claim, homeowners set on getting a roof replacement. There's way more options to get that roof bought than than to try to create more damage so so it looks more like replacement. Like you can fight the fact on like the roof is out of code, you guys got building code and ordinance in your policy. You can fight the fact mm -hmm. that hey, this roof's not repairable, so I can't just repair these three damage shingles, the whole roof needs mm -hmm. to be replaced. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think there's still ways to help the homeowner, Tim, without having to cause more damage to the roof if you truly know what you're doing and how a roof is built and what, what kind of code goes in. I mean, just like with a storm, I was talking to a homeowner today. He had a bunch of damage on the front, not on the back. And I was like, hey, well, by code, we got overlap felt two feet each side. So, I mean, by doing that, we, you know, we should get to replace the back of your roof. Yeah, and I think it's um, 
it's people trying to avoid repair like that. The two things is like not being able to sell retail and then avoiding repairs in your business. And I wish, basically, I wish I could help. I'm, I know I'm not personally going to be able to help, but like by referring out sales training and stuff like that, like help people be able to sell retail. Cause I think that's good to have both sides of your business personally. No doubt. And then repairs. Like if you can find a way to make repairs lucrative and like, I'm, I think that, Part of that could be cleaning and maybe rejuvenating the shingles. Why am I pushing them so hard? I just feel like it's, it's part of this conversation. <laughs> right. To be well, real, man. part of this yeah. conversation, because if you don't know how to make repairs lucrative enough, then you're going to avoid them entirely. You know what I mean? Like, and that's part of it is like, we need to figure out a way to make this make sense in a business yeah. model. So that not everything has to be a replacement. Right. And, and, well, and, oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Nick. I was saying, I don't mean to like hurt, hurt feelings, but in my opinion, if you're a roofing company who can't make roof repairs, are you truly a roofing company? Right. Or are you just like a paper contractor pushing out roof replacement jobs? Because, I mean, we do close, before we brought on Ugly Roof, we were already doing close to between 800000 to $1 million in repairs per year. And we do a lot of repairs. We got a full-time repair tech. That's all he does. And so one, the sales guys like to sell them because, you know, that's extra cash for them. But two, it's just easier for us to manage in the profit margin. It's actually higher on a repair than a replacement. Now you got to do three or four repairs, you know, to make it to make the money you would make on a replacement. But the referrals, you know, that's the thing. These sales, these guys tur turn down repairs. Usually, the lady that signs up for us and gets a six hundred dollar repair refers me to her neighbor or to her friend or family member. And that's a thirty thousand dollar roof. Mm -hmm. You know, right. so people are missing that referral network. Right. So well, let's and, talk about the two sides of the industry too. I, I know gosh. that um, I want to keep the conversation moving. So you, we talk about the the roofer, but what about adjusters? And what <laughs> what kinds of adjusters? Why why is because you guys said that sometimes there's damage happening from not the roofer. So why does that happen? And what is the situation where that makes sense? Talk to me through that. Well, I I know. In my market, for instance, here, I mean, even when I was down in Georgia, um, I know when I was in Augusta, USAA used nothing but independent adjusters because you've got staff adjusters who are employed by the carrier, work for the carrier. Then you've got your independent guys. The independent guys are typically working for another company. They may have their own LLC and they're subcontracted out, but they typically have a lot of independent adjusters to, from what I hear tend to have just as much of an interest, a financial interest in some of these claims as some of these roofers do when they write these. So when they go out, I've had one out of Augusta that was saying that, that they actually received a percentage of the total claim payout. So the more line items he wrote for actually meant that he made more money. Don't know how hmm. true it is. I've never been on that side of it, but I've been on the roofs with adjusters before and it's had some damages and I'm usually transparent and say, Hey, I, I told the homeowner there was only a certain number of shingles damaged. They insisted on filing the claim. Um, you know, so I'm just here, I'm here to help you out. And some of these adjusters will actually say, well, we'll just make sure we get enough to, to make it look good on the camera so that it passes with the desk adjuster and we'll just get this whole thing taken care of. Um, and I can probably say I've been on more roofs with adjusters that have, flipped a few shingle tabs to get the whole thing where they could get it approved um, than I've been with other roofers that have done that. 
So, Nick, I, I don't know what you've seen on that. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree, right? Because, you know, I think we, we like to have good company. So um, it's probably the same. I probably witnessed it personally more from insurance adjusters than roofers as well. I mean, I remember the same thing. He was, he was a subcontractor for USAA. Um, if he showed up, every roof got bought. Yep. You know, so I look back, I'm like, man, I, you know, I appreciate this guy because he bought every roof, even the claim, even the claims that you tell the homeowner not to file a claim. Yeah. And I, one of the roofs, I was on, you know, I was just, I was actually on the ground. I'm on the roof. One of my guys was on the roof with him. And I literally watched the adjuster rip the shingle, and just chunk it. I mean, just shoot, shot the, you know, the shingle into the woods. But same thing, they get paid per claim. Um, you know, so it comes back to that greed aspect where they want to get the roof bought, so they're trying to look for more photos. And I saw another adjuster, and I kind of, if you're going to do the two options, like if you're going to tear shingles or do this, is I kind of re- liked what this adjuster did, but he didn't have enough damage on the back, so he just he just chalked it out. He put front slope equals, and then he erased the front, put back slope, and then put a higher number, and just took, took pictures of the same shingles again. You know, so he lied on hmm. camera, but he didn't make any extra damage to the roof. But yeah, you see it on that side as well. And I was telling this ladder assist this morning about it, and I was telling about this call we're gonna have. And he and I was like, man, I've seen so many adjusters make damage. He goes, well, that's not as big of a deal. I was like, it is because when that adjuster gets on the roof with this roofing salesman that's just gotten to the industry and he sees an adjuster do it, mm. now he thinks that he's allowed to do it. Like it just puts that, like, all right, this is okay type of mindset in their head. Right. So that's what I. That's my big issue with insurance companies. Like you're being you guys are like attacking roofers and thinking roofers are doing everything wrong, but then y'all can do it to get a bot and then it's not a big deal. Hmm. So I guess that kind of brings us to this deep philosophical question, which are we just moralizing Taylor, Nick and Tim? And there's, there's people out there that are like, this is part of, part of their business model and they're justifying whatever helps the homeowner and stuff like that. Are we just, um, Moralizing. Maybe. Um, but it, it is an issue that's out there. Now, what percentage of people are actually doing that on both sides of this, whether it's the adjuster side or the roofer side? Um, but at the end of the day, what we're dealing with is, is a moral issue and an integrity issue because yeah. guys that are doing things like this are the same ones that may get a little aggressive when they're doing a repair attempt to show that a roof is irreparable. Maybe they're going through and trying to break it and cause mat transfer so that they can show that there's going to be a domino effect when they do this repair. If they're going to try and manipulate the system on manufacturing damage, they'll manipulate it all the way up. So we've got a moral and a character issue at the end of the day. Let me just just challenge you for a second, because I want this to be the most constructive possible. There's moral issue to insurance companies not paying out when a homeowner paid in. Mm -hmm. So if if they can play this game, and I, I don't want you to agree with me here. I'm just, you know, rhetorically asking. If they can play this game, why can't we play this game? I mean... Insurance companies well, think, aren't paying think, appropriately sometimes. Yeah, I think, Tim, we all just want a perfect world where we pull into the driveway, meet the adjuster, and shake his hand. He's like, how much storm damage is true on this roof? And we go, hey, man, we got this is what's going on. All right, per their policy, I'm going to write up to replace the roof. Sounds great. Shake their hand. You know, but like you said, 
insurance companies are trying to not pay for replacements. But it kind of like at the same time I was like, where did that where did that start? You know what mm. I mean? Like they did contractors start giving insurance companies a hard time first, or the insurance companies being as greedy right. billion dollars as they are, did they quit yeah. start denying roofs falsely first? And I'm gonna tell you, man, if you're a roofer and you're like you're having a hard time with getting stuff bought by State Farm, vent like making mechanical damage is not gonna help at the same time though. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're gonna have a better chance of fighting on the fact that is the roof repairable, what's in their policy, do they have building code and coverage? Maybe even having to use a high level public adjuster is gonna do is gonna make you way more successful. And that's the other thing. That's a that's a push to get more people involved with organizations like the American Policyholder Association or, you know, those guys that are pushing to make it more available to have public adjusters nationwide to where the clients can have an advocate. Because the way that I always refer to it as when when I'm talking to a homeowner and we're going to have the adjuster meeting, I'm like, hey, having me there to identify what I've found with the adjuster is very similar to having your attorney when you go to court. You're not going to go up and try and fight this judge without having somebody that's an expert in the issues that you're dealing with, because in the event that there is any moral issues on the adjuster's side, that's going to transfer over to the homeowners as well, which is just as bad as roofers that are manipulating damage to get claims paid. Um, So it's just, it's more of a reason for higher level advocacy on the carrier side as well as public adjusters and things like that, in my opinion. It's time you rethink roofing. Okay, so Refresh, Repair, Restore is not just spraying oil on a roof and rejuvenating the roof. We go in and we soft wash the roof. We have to get rid of that algae because that algae actually takes root in your shingles and is tearing your uh, shingle apart on a micro level. So we clean that roof, we get it spotless. We do the necessary repairs that need to be done to your roof and then we rejuvenate it and bring it back to life. Couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm excited to get my uh, APA polo. I'm waiting on APA, send that out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so do you guys think there's gonna be blowback on this one for me as a guy who's facilitating this conversation? There shouldn't be. There's going to be some roofers pissed that we're talking about this openly and honestly. I don't see a lot of, I don't see any other conversations like this happening on the internet. And maybe you guys, maybe you guys see them a little bit. Like I'm part of some of those adjuster Facebook groups and I'm sure maybe you guys are too, but, yeah. and then, you know, obviously on the roofing groups, but um, yeah, I just don't see a lot of open and honest vulnerable conversations about this particular topic, which ultimately if we could resolve it, <laughs> this one podcast resolves it. Um, if we could resolve it, there would be more trust on both sides. And I don't think we want insurance companies to go away. Right. Well, and it's, it's almost a little taboo really, because yeah, like people know when they're doing this. And I think, the percentage may even be higher on both sides than what any of us really understand, or maybe not. Again, I don't think you can put a finite number on that, but at the end, at the end of the day, um, they know that it's going on and just hopefully it's something where as technology advances, I know with things like Roofhawk AI, things like that, that eventually it's going to be to a point where, Nobody has to climb roofs. So 
maybe potentially this is something we just have to ride out until technology can meet up with the fact that we don't even need to get on roofs. I know my wife would love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What are your thoughts, Nick? Uh, we're, we're generally, I make this podcast like 30 to 40 minutes so we can, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on, on that subject. Um, and what do you think no, is going to happen? Basically, like, what do you think is going to come of this over the next five, 10 years? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with, I agree with Taylor and, you know, one insurance companies need to continue to have extremely trained adjusters that can show up with an honest and open mindset to truly be there to identify damage, you know, and same thing with their ladder assist. You know, when, when the ladder, the, the most annoying thing to me is when a ladder assist shows up, that's getting just paid 150 bucks, $200 just to climb the roof and take photos. Like that's your job is to document the damage. And mm-hmm. then they start trying to talk about what they think there was wrong with the roof and what right. they, what they're all fine as damage is. And, uh, and then try and talk policy with the insurance, with the homeowner or the insured. I mean, we run into that a lot too, but I think as, as we advance, um, you know, they're going to, I think carriers are going to start asking for legitimate, you know, softwares for, for roofers to maybe even like to have to work insurance processes, you know, and I honestly think it should be stricter to be a roofing co- company, you know, and 100%. I don't know how Tennessee is, but in Georgia, you just need an LLC. Like it's too easy for these guys to pop up, pop up shops. So they're not doing a lot of their research and they're getting under trained or they're, they're jumping up and they realize they get their first claim bought and they make, they make good money. And then they think like, man, I can do that again. I can do that again. I can do that again. And now they got six guys working for them. They're all doing the same thing, mm. you know? And I think we go back to the honest mindset and like, look, man, you can make a really good living as a roofing contractor or as an adjuster and, and be, and be honest and be fair. And that's going to actually drive your business further in the long run too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that, Nick. I, I do wish that it was a little more difficult to become licensed to do this. Cause in Tennessee, I have my license, insurance, um, certain municipalities, you can operate up to $25,000 without a license. I didn't even want to go into business, even if I stayed out of the ones that were a little more strict, just because I wanted to have that layer of licensing there. Um, But I went through at the end of last year and got licensed in Tennessee as a public adjuster because... Uh, I got sick of State Farm on this one claim that I knew was violating the policyholder rights of one of my clients. So I called Tennessee's Department of Insurance to see if if a licensed contractor could be a licensed public adjuster as well. And Tennessee is one of the last states left that can do that. And when I tell you the process was strenuous, I mean, they looked into financials, criminal history, fingerprint reports. I mean, they dove into everything. You had to have your surety bonds, errors and omissions insurance. If it was half as hard to become a licensed contractor as it was to get that public adjuster's license, we would cut down on over half of a lot of the issues we see in contracting. Well, yeah, it's good to hear because in Georgia, it's like, oh, you're a felon. Here's your roofing company. Right. (laughs) You know, know, and and I I just saw a guy riding around. He's you know got yard signs in people's yards, and I and I also got and I also got an alert when his mugshot came through on my phone. So I'm like, that good guy just got out of jail. He's got six people signed up. What is going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and and because I mean, or, or the other thing would be that 
there's some way that can regulate where, you know, because as being a public adjuster, it's, it's a fiduciary role because you're dealing, dealing with finance and insurance. But when you're a roofing contractor that does 100% insurance work or 95% insurance work, I think you should have some sort of licensing in insurance to understand what goes on on that aspect. Because I've got licensing in property and casualty insurance as well as public adjusting. Um, and so I see both sides of it. Um, and I do think that that would be like, hey, you want to sell insurance and deal with insurance companies? Great. Get licensed in it. It's just yeah, me. That, totally. may, that may get me some pushback. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree with that. that that's probably not a bad, bad idea for if, if a roofing contractor anywhere in the U.S. is going to actually work a storm claim, they need to have a certain, maybe a certification or a license to work those claims. I think and something. And if they don't, then they can't work. Then they can't work the claim. And then, and as far as a homeowner, then you know you're getting a contractor that's like certified to actually work storm claims. That's I mean, it. that's you know, or be um, a retail or be a retail contractor. Yeah, you know, and everybody. That's what I'm saying. You know, back to earlier, like every roofing contractor should have that retail model. You know, unless you're just all you do is storm chase and you actually travel the country. Like if you right now, if you're based in Georgia. You cannot 100% work storm work. Like we have one storm a year, whatever it is, you know, but. I got a, I got a sock right. with some marbles in it that says different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and back to helping a homeowner is crazy. The funny, you know, the interesting stuff a homeowner will tell, tell you when you get up to their house. You're like, oh, yeah, you got some cleats on or some golf balls you can take up there. Yeah, I've had homeowners hey, tell leaf, me that. Got a leaf for you, and I'm like, "No, nah, we're good." And I'll let you know if there's anything on with going on with your roof. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've had homeowners that I've told, "Hey, great news! You know that storm that came through? You have no damage. Your roof looks great." And they'll laugh and they'll be like, "I'll get up there tonight and I'll call you back later." And you know, we'll have a good laugh about it. But you, you halfway hope they're joking. Yeah, yeah, I definitely hope they're joking. But yeah. why not? <laughs> why not? Give me that last little like. Why not create man-made damage? At at the end of the day, for me, um, you know, it's illegal. It can it can lead you down the road, and all it's going to do is cause more chaos, more confusion, and more division between insurance and storm restoration. Yeah, um, I agree with Taylor, and it's you know, man-made damage, like I said, as far as a claim goes, it ends up changing the claim process. So it turns into vandalism. So if, you know, if you're someone who breaks shingles or rips shingles off the roof, you're also looked at as like somebody who would go and spray paint the side of somebody's house. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's truly, that's what it is. You're, you're vandalizing the home. You're vandalizing something that may not need even to be done. Um, so it does create a separation. It does, you know, when it's happening over and over you know, wherever it's at, like these adjusters got that in their mindset. So long-term, if insurance and roofing or insurance and storm restoration contractors are all going to get along, we got to have that honest and integrity about us and everybody needs to work well together and know that the least amount of people making damage, the better processes are going to go. Yeah. Mm. This is a good mindset. I hope this is useful to some folks out there. If nothing else, having this conversation because – it's had behind closed doors and now maybe people can just feel a little relief just talking about this a little bit out in the open and knowing that there are quite a few roofing companies. I think it's most that don't do this and that are hoping to improve the industry and improve the reputation of roofers. And I I believe that that's, you know, a realistic 
future that we can work towards. And if not, insurance companies clamping down is going to cause us all a lot more grief. Yeah. I'm not moralizing. I'm just the guy facilitating. And I really appreciate you guys hanging out and um, talking to me about this. You it's guys are both amazing guests. Uh, if you guys don't mind just saying your uh, your name and your company.com uh, to sign us off. I'm Taylor Ammons, and I'm with ParagonRoofingTN.com. Yep, I'm Nick Brandon with YourRoofHero.com. Awesome. This is the podcast. It's Hook, uh, Hook Better Leads put on by HookAgency.com, Hook Agency all over social. Thank you guys so much for watching and or listening. Bye.